I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to episode number 49 of the Scottish History Podcast. My name is Owen Innes and this week we're going to be visiting Carlaverick Castle, one of my absolute favourite castles in the whole of Scotland. It is one of those castles that has to be seen to be believed. So this week, let me tell you a little bit about Carlaverick Castle. Now, when you think of a castle, you would normally assume that it would be roughly square in shape, with large defensive walls covered in grand turrets. However, Carlaverick Castle is definitely not what you would expect. This castle, which is one of the very few which I have seen with my own eyes to still have a functioning moat, has a very unique unilateral triangular shape. The castle itself lies about seven miles outside the town of Dumfries in southwest Scotland, in Carlaverick National Nature Reserve, in which covers 21 square miles or 55 square kilometres and runs along the shore of the Solway Firth. On the same site, there are also the remains of an even earlier castle, which are still visible today, along with two hill forts, one Roman at Wardlaw Hill and a British hill fort believed to have been in use around 950 AD. In 1160, the lands of Carlaverick were granted to the monks of Holm Cultrum Abbey, based in what is now Cumbria in northern England. And in 1220, the lands were passed by King Alexander II to Sir John Maxwell, who then became the Warden of the West March. This was a title, essentially, to try and keep peace between Scotland and England. Sir John Maxwell also served as Scotland's High Lord Chamberlain, basically a very powerful judge, between 1231 and 1233. It was during this time that work began on constructing the first castle at Carlaverick. The original castle was indeed square in shape, and was to be one of the earliest stone castles to be built in Scotland. It was also to feature a large moat. As I mentioned before, the remains of the original foundation still exist to this day. 
The likelihood is, however, that the construction of the first castle was abandoned, and this is probably due to flooding. And instead, a new site was chosen a mere 200 metres away on a rocky outcrop. The construction of the current castle is likely to have begun sometime in 1241 or 1242 after the death of Sir John Maxwell. It was constructed under his brother, Sir Aymer Maxwell, who himself served as Chamberlain between 1258 and 1260 under King Alexander III and was also the Sheriff of Dumfries. The castle was completed sometime in the 1270s and was granted to Herbert Maxwell, who was the nephew of Sir John Maxwell. The main gatehouse for the castle is built on natural rock. However, the rest of the structure is built on a specifically built clay platform, likely constructed from the materials dug up when they were digging the moat. Carlaveric in fact had two moats during its entire lifetime. The outer moat is now drained of course, however the inner moat still contains a considerable expanse of water. To traverse this expanse of water at the time of its completion would have been easy with its seesaw style drawbridge. This bridge lasted until around 1370 with your more normal drawbridge via a chain instead of the seesaw style uh, installed and nowadays it's just a normal everyday bridge to get through. A portcullis was added to the main gatehouse at some point in the 15th century which replaced the earlier one which used to sit just a little bit further back towards the entrance to the courtyard. In 1291, Sir Herbert Maxwell was chosen to be one of the nobles to appoint the successor to the Scottish throne after the death of Margaret the Maid of Norway. Now, we have already covered this particular period before, as it is the opening to the Scottish Wars of Independence. If you haven't already heard uh, this particular part of the story, I suggest heading back to episode number one. By the time Edward I of England had invaded Scotland in 1296, Sir Herbert knew that Carlaverick was going to get caught in the crossfire due to its situation right on the Scotland-England border. In the aftermath following Edward I's invasion of Scotland, many Scots of course swore loyalty to Edward, and this included Herbert Maxwell and his son John. However, soon the Scots started to fight back once again. In 1300, Edward invaded Galloway, which at that time was one of the main areas of resistance against him. So, in 1300, Edward laid siege to Carlaverick. Although this didn't play a massive part in the grand scheme of the Wars of Independence, it is very noteworthy due to the very detailed account of the siege written as a poem by a herald in Edward's army. The poem tells us that Carlaverick was a castle that did not fear a siege and that it would never have to surrender if the castle was well stocked up. There were no Maxwells at home when Edward showed up, however, with his 87 knights, 3,000 men and countless siege engines. Inside, though, were no more than 60 men, outnumbered by over 50 to 1. The castle's constable, Walter Benishiff, tried to seek surrender terms with the English. 
he stated he would surrender the castle as long as he and all of the occupants inside could leave safely and with them take their arms and horses. Now apparently Edward responded to this like a lioness who had just had her cubs taken away from her. And that was that. For two days the garrison at Carlaverick repelled almost every attack and stood firm against the English. It was only on the second day when the siege engines were raided and started hurling boulders weighing around 50 kilograms each at the castle. The walls soon fell and the Scots had to surrender. The poem again tells us of the English astonishment when they found out the extremely small size of the garrison inside of Carlaverick. Some of the garrison ended up being hanged from the walls of the castle while some were allowed to go free. And some of these survivors were later to join King Robert the Bruce and have their revenge at the battles of Loudon Hill and of course Bannockburn. The castle then remained in English hands for about 12 years until the castle was awarded to Sir Eustace Maxwell who was siding with the English at the time. Shortly afterwards, however, he bent like the wind and sided with Robert the Bruce. The castle was besieged yet again, however, this time Maxwell managed to hold out. Robert the Bruce then ordered Maxwell to destroy the castle. After Bruce's death in 1329, his son David was crowned David I and soon began the Second War of Independence. This brought Edward Balliol, the son of John Balliol, to the table on the English side. And due to the Maxwell's allegiances historically being for the Balliols, Eustace flipped sides once again. He repaired Carlaverick and placed it at Balliol's disposal. Now, not much is known between 1337 and 1356 when the castle was taken back to the Scottish crown by Robert Kirkpatrick, the Sheriff of Dumfries. Kirkpatrick took Carlaverick by force and valour and had it demolished to the ground. Now, despite their pro-Balliol stance, the Maxwells were allowed to retain Carlaverick and in the 1370s rebuilding work began. Much of what you can see today dates from around this time. However, a lot of the renovations were not actually completed until at least the late 1400s. In 1536, Robert Maxwell, the fifth lord, became regent of Scotland during James V's absence to France. In 1542, James V visits Carlaverick before the Battle of Solway Moss, which not only resulted in a Scottish loss, but it led to the capture of Robert Maxwell. Maxwell was released shortly after, but was captured again in 1544, leaving Carlaverick to, once again, fall into English hands. The following year, the Scots retook the castle. The Maxwells had always remained devout Catholics throughout all of this, and uh, this didn't change during the Protestant Reformation of 1560. The Maxwells even travelled to Spain in the 1580s to help plan the Armada. In 1593, Robert the Eighth Lord was fortifying the castle even further and at this point added in the second moat. Along with this, he added in a ravelin as well as a gun emplacement. Now, after the union of the crowns in 1603, 
peace finally started to settle around the borderlands and in 1634 Robert Maxwell, the 10th Lord, was created the first Earl of Nithdale. This led to the building of his Nithdale lodging, quoted as being referred to as a dainty fabric. The castle less resembled a military stronghold and more of a luxurious home. In 1640, Charles I faced the Covenanters and with Maxwell being one of Charles I's most loyal supporters, Carlaverick once again came under attack. Maxwell bravely resisted the Covenanter army, led by Lieutenant Colonel John Holm, for 13 weeks inside the castle, until eventually he was finally forced to surrender. After Carlaverick's final siege, the castle was partially dismantled, leaving it now completely redundant as both a fortress and a residence. It soon fell into disuse and decay. It became a haven for illustrators and painters, as well as for people seeking shelter. The one such person was Richard Blanner Hassett, a Catholic who had visited the castle in 1776. We know this because, like many others, he left an engraving in the stone in the gatehouse hall. By 1946, the 16th Duke of Norfolk awarded the care of the castle to Historic Scotland, who now maintain the site. A couple of years ago, I was lucky enough to actually go and visit Carlaverick Castle. It was a, it's a place that's it's reasonably far away from, from where I live, um, and... It's not a place that I would have really chosen to drive all the way down to without kind of properly knowing where it was sort of thing. Um, however, luckily enough for work, um, as, a, as a coach driver previously, I was uh, allowed to drive down there and uh, it is a magnificent place. It's one of those castles which, again, as I said in the introduction, you have to see it in order to believe it without a shadow of a doubt, folks. If you get the chance to visit, uh, Dumfries and Galloway in general is absolutely stunning, absolutely beautiful. Um, but if you get the chance to go to Carlaverick with the fact that it's in the middle of a nature reserve right on the Solway coast, um, head down into England, you know, it's not really that far as well. It's a fantastic place to visit and I do highly, highly recommend it. One of my absolute favourite castles and I do recommend that even just even have a look at some videos online or even some pictures of the castle. It's absolutely stunning. So if you do want to search for it, I'll spell it for you. Carlaverick is C-A-E-R-L-A-V-E-R-O-C-K. So you can just rewind that if you want to uh, um, sort of learn how to how to spell Carlaverick. But again, absolutely fantastic castle and I do highly recommend it. So, folks, that again is that for this week. I do apologise for missing out last week. Just been absolutely shattered recently um, with work and everything else that's going on. So, um, thankfully, I'm back in the game. I'm feeling much better again now. So, so if you want to um, keep in touch, you can do so again via Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash Scott History Pod. Twitter and Instagram, their ats are at scott history pod as well alternatively just head to the website www.scotthistorypod.com there you can send me an email or a message on uh, via the website but you can also do that via 
my email, which is justscotthistorypod at gmail.com. If you want to support the podcast in any way, you can do so via Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Scott History Pod. You can choose to donate monthly to the podcast, which keeps things going. It keeps it helps me pay for the hosting fees etc for the podcast and if uh, like a few others have already done you wish to make just a one-off donation just anything whatsoever you can do so via buymeacoffee.com forward slash scott history pod but anyway folks once again thank you very much for listening take care and i'll speak to you again next time When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.